Hello, friends, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. Several weeks ago, in our e-newsletter, Peter put at the top of that newsletter a picture of me being prayed for by a number of young people, requesting that you would pray for me as I was down in Costa Rica at this discipleship school. The picture was actually the send-off by the students where at the end of the week-long teaching training time I had with them, they all gathered around me to pray for me, to bless me, to love me, and send me on my way home and asking for the Lord's protection and blessing. But Pete put that picture in there just so that you guys would know where I am and what I'm doing and to ask you to pray. Thank you so much for all of you that did pause to pray and lifted me up. I'm so very grateful. It was an extraordinarily good week. I love doing it. And I thought I should take this podcast to just let you know a little bit more about what this discipleship school is about, what we do. It may even cause me to say a little bit more about discipleship in another podcast or two, but let me at least highlight what this particular discipleship school is about and my role in it. This school happens, I mean, this will probably (laughs) mess up your mind. This school lasts for 10 months, and the students are generally between 18 and 23, 24 years old. This was one of the largest classes we had. We had 19 students. We had also a unique couple of students in that we had a brand new married couple who had just graduated from college. We thought their first year they would want to do an experience like this together. So a lot of times these students are either straight out of high school and are doing this as a gap year before college or others have graduated from college and are doing it as a gap year before they enter into some sort of career or further schooling. So they come and they have to raise their support to come to this school. And the first thing that you notice about this school is that it is very rustic. These guys live in very rustic conditions. They actually have to wash their clothes in the river and have to learn how to do that. Showers are generally with cool water where it's been captured in rain barrels, and usually it's just water coming out of a three-quarter inch pipe, (laughs) and it's very cold and invigorating, and they have to learn how to take turns and the time it takes, and they're living out of their bags and whatever else. And that's just the first month and a half before they go home for Christmas. When they come back, they actually are broken up into teams and are sent out where they serve churches. And so, in in kind of there's three parts to this school, this program, where they're being trained and taught, on the one hand, in spiritual disciplines, and that's partly where I play a role in. But then they're in community living where a huge part of that is the fact that you have to figure out how to get along with people. And where most of us have enough difficulty just getting along with our own family. Imagine that you're with people, and it's an international school, that it's a mixture of Americans and Hispanics, Latinos that are either from Central America or one of the South America countries. This year, this school actually had somebody from Belize, so she didn't know Spanish. So you're with people from different cultures. So even the language thing is an issue. When I'm there, I have to have a translator the whole time. So that makes it even more complicated trying to teach because what it usually takes an hour, it means it's going to take me at least an hour and a half. 
and trying to figure out the right words and the translators. But anyway, so they have time invested in their own growth and change. But then they are put into teams where they go off and they generally go to support a church somewhere in Costa Rica. On occasion, there's been one that was right over the border in Nicaragua. But ideally, they're there to serve. And I'm telling you, sometimes that's even more rustic. Sometimes they are sleeping on the church floor, and they're trying to share a bathroom, which is the church bathroom. And they have to oftentimes figure out how to cook, and many of them haven't done that very often. And it's quite an experience as they learn how to cook. And they work very hard at doing varieties of things. They're out serving, caring doing things, building relationship. They're doing whatever they can do to help the church in their outreach to the community and within the church itself. They do that for five months. The first two months is primarily teaching and training. And then over those next five months, January through May, they come back for one week of training. So I go there for the second week of the program where the director teaches the first week, and then I come the second week to talk about getting rooted and grounded in the love of God. And then I come back the first week of February to talk and teach the second part of our curriculum called Getting Along, Biblical Steps to Healing Conversations, which they really want to hear at that point because they have been living together, and especially they just come back from their first month where they've been out now in some of these even more rustic, challenging situations, and they've been having to serve with one another. Again, sometimes the language barrier is a bit of an, uh, of an issue. So, they come back to me that first week of February, and they are hungry to know how do we talk with each other? How do we get along? How do we forgive? And how do we say we're sorry? And how do we deal with misunderstanding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, it's really fun because the needs to know level is through the roof. And uh, it just makes it incredibly rich for me. And part three, though, so part one, the first month and a half to two months is just teaching and training, investing in themselves. The next five months, they are primarily out to serve a church somewhere. And then the final two months, June and July, churches send youth groups who come down and they'll either come for a week or two-week visits. And then, again, it'll still be to help some of these churches where they'll do much larger outreaches, where these kids will help mostly youth groups. Sometimes it'll be young adult groups. But they come down to do outreach kinds of things to, again, benefit the church and benefit a community. And that's where they hope to draw the next year's students from, is that the students that are trained over those first six, seven months, they lead all the small groups with these youth groups. And so, it's during all their conversations and interaction, they talk about how the school has helped them and blessed them and changed them. And they really try to encourage, you know, this could be something really beneficial to you too. Would you think and pray about it? So, an awful lot of the students come out of those summer programs, as well as then it goes back and or the, the kids go home and then they talk to other friends who are also parts of other churches, et cetera, et cetera. And in the summer, they've had upwards to three, 400 young people come and serve in these short-term mission trips. So, then they finally graduate in July, which is just about a 10-month experience. Well, imagine that. <laughs> 
How many of you could imagine putting yourself in that situation? Putting yourself in a place where you're raising money, where you are living in intense community, in rustic situation. Oh, by the way, they also are unplugged. They only have a several-hour window on Saturday afternoons to communicate with home. Otherwise, they have no technology whatsoever. For a lot of young people, that's a huge challenge. But the idea is that in this setting, they are just so ready and able, if they're willing, to be trained and to be transformed. It's an amazing experience, and I love being a part of it and being with them. There's something so invigorating where a lot of times when I teach in church, like pastoring, one of the most difficult things, honestly, was preaching sermons where I put all this time and energy in to talk for 20, 30 minutes. Uh, probably me was more like 30 or 40 minutes where people listen, but then what are they going to do with it? Where the joy of being in this setting is that they have nothing else but their relationship with Jesus, with one another, and with me and the things that we are processing together. And they think, they pray, they have quiet time, they have small group time, and they're really working to integrate what they're being trained in into their lives. Truthfully, I wish, sort of like the Mormons, I wish we could require every one of our young people to be a part of an experience like this. Because you know, the greatest joy for me now, where I've been doing it for five years, is that some of those first students... And especially the ones that are the directors now or the leaders over the actual school part, they were probably two of the most unlikely people that I would have ever imagined would become leaders. What is astounding to me is that when you're in an opportunity like this, aspects of who you are emerge, both good and bad, truthfully. I mean, a lot of stuff gets exposed. That's the tough part, again, about regular at-home church life, you know, you come in and out of church, nobody sees you, really. Nobody experiences you. You're not in a setting, and even small groups, quite honestly, you know, you have some prayer, a little bit of worship, and it's mostly teaching. You're not really seeing one another's lives and experiencing both the things that are really good about you and the things that are negative about you. And again, you have to do everyday life. You're so busy with responsibilities at home and work and et cetera, that it's so hard to put any kind of focus time on what Jesus is doing in your life. And so, it is so fun for me to be with these students who have given themselves to this season of time for Jesus to work in their lives. And what just blows my mind is that each year as I go back, usually they ask some of those students at the end of that year if they would come back and be the small group leaders for the next year's school. So, some of them I've seen the next year, so I at least get to interact with them twice. And even that's really fun to watch them go through the curriculum now a second time where it's not brand new and where they've been working at it and practicing, and then they just love it even more to go around through the second time, which, quite frankly, we find out all the time when people come and do a First Love weekend, they love to come back and do it a second, third, fourth, fifth time. Honestly, my facilitators like Peter, who you heard last week, they've been on who knows how many, a hundred weekends, and they still love it. They love being a part of it. They still tell me how much they get something new out or hearing it over and over again, they're finally beginning to internalize and own it. 
But the joy of seeing these students come back and seeing the measure, the measure of change in their lives, the measure to which they've become more like Jesus in thought, in word, in emotion, in response, in character. It's remarkable. And the fact that they're in turn now depositing that into that new school's group of students. It's just so cool. Oh my gosh, you guys. And again, as a, as a pastor, as a leader, when the whole goal behind everything we are doing is that we would become more like Jesus. That's what it means to make a disciple. A disciple is someone who is actually being like Jesus, loving like Jesus, speaking like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, responding to people and needs like Jesus. To see how much they change when they give themselves to a situation like this. Well, this whole idea of discipleship and the fact that it's called a discipleship school, in some ways, I, I've encouraged my, my buddy who's the director, Dylan Hoover, I, I keep saying, bro, would you, would you consider changing it and not call it a school, but use this word intensive. And here's why is because every one of us is a disciple of Jesus. When you came into relationship with Jesus, you became a disciple. And discipleship is a relationship, just like relationship is a relationship. Discipleship is a kind of relationship between a master and a student, where sometimes the master is depositing their knowledge and their wisdom. Another time, the master might be a master in a trade or something where you're learning a skill. But in the case of being buddied up with Jesus, the goal is to live the life of Jesus because he lived the truly human life where as fully God and fully man, he lived the image of God, the likeness of God that you and I were made to live, that you and I were created for. And see, the idea is that a discipleship school, a discipleship program, a discipleship class, it's misleading in the sense that people thought, well, I did that. Okay, I'm done. I guess I'm discipled. No. <laughs> discipleship is this lifelong relationship with Master Jesus to become like Him and then to partner with Him in His mission until He returns. Every one of us are in discipleship. We are in this student-master relationship with Jesus to become like Him. Again, it's called a school, but I wish we'd call it a discipleship intensive. The idea is that it's, it's pulling you out of your, your status quo, everyday routine, where quite frankly, you and I are so busy with our family, school, jobs, whatever. The Lord has a really hard time trying to get us into some sort of concentrated setting where He can really work something deep into our lives because we're so quickly off of doing this, that, and the other thing. And that I think overall, the intensive is the better word because Jesus would like to put us in a discipleship intensive, whether it's a class, it's a retreat, it's a seminar, it's a conference, it's a school-like thing. I mean, my three years of seminary was really a discipleship intensive with Jesus for concentrated, focused time of, of teaching and training. My belief is, is that the Lord would love for all of us to recognize that we are in a discipleship relationship with Him, 
And that in order for us to really be changed, we need these periodic, intensive experiences. Now, most of us will probably never do a 10-month thing. Although I wish, like I said, I could have everyone do that. (laughs) Because it's so fun to watch the measure of change that happens in a life. Where we may never get to do that, my hope is, though, is that you'd be regularly saying, Lord Jesus, what is the next kind of intensive experience you'd have for me to work on a particular area that you are working on changing me, transforming me? And I want to finish, I'm going to bring this back up again another time, but I want to encourage us all by this. In Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, listen to the Father say this. I am the God of peace, and I will equip you with everything good for doing my will, and I will, I will work in you what is pleasing to me through my Son, Christ Jesus. See, the best part about this is that as we ask the Lord, what kind of intensive would you have me be involved in next, Lord? And sometimes an intensive can even be being a part of a small, you know, one-on-one relationship or a triad or a quad or that he uses people, different curriculum, just varieties of things, but mostly for change. But here's what I want you to remember. The Lord's on your side in this. He wants to help you. He is committed to equipping you and working in you what is pleasing to him. Because in the end, he knows that if we are changed and the greater degree that we are changed to be like him, our lives will experience a measure of joy and satisfaction and fulfillment that we just have no idea. And that's the thing that I've seen in these students that have changed is just the measure of change and joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and discovery of all that's in them when they give Jesus a chance to minister to them and change them. So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that again next time. So let me just close this out again. Let's listen to Jesus. Listen to the Father. I have predestined you to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And that as you concentrate on Jesus, the Spirit is transforming you from one degree of glory to another. But know this, beloved son, beloved daughter, I will equip you with everything good for doing my will, and I am working in you what is pleasing to me through my son, Christ Jesus. Will you give yourself to me and to intensives so that we can accomplish greater change and transformation for the sake of others and for your joy and fulfillment. Father, thank you. And I pray that we would all think about responding to that invitation. Thank you, everyone. Love to you all. Bless you all. Until next time.